Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of my JavaScript story. This week, we're talking to Varya Stepanova. Uh, Varya, do you want to say hello? Hello. Um, nice to have me in the show. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, happy to have you. Do you want to just introduce yourself real quick, let people know who you are, uh, what you've done, why you're well-known, all that stuff? Yes, sure. Uh, so as you said, I'm Varya, and I'm front-end engineer and uh, design systems enthusiast. Uh, I started with design systems uh, even long before the buzzword appeared. Mm -hmm. And I always was focused on bridging the gap uh, between designers and developers. And for that, uh, I usually used uh, available tools and technologies. And it happened that all of them ended up with JavaScript. Well, maybe not all, but in 99% of cases. When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget. And the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. Nice. So um, most people who are design system experts, so to speak, um, often work on their own design system. Is, is that where you're at? Or do you do other kinds of work around design systems? Well, I would describe my current work uh, more like building infrastructure for uh, others to build design system. Because in the organization where I'm working now, it is believed that it should be kind of in-house open source. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you have to automate all the routines for encouraging people to contribute and so on. That makes sense. So what kinds of infrastructure do people need to build design systems? Like what, what kinds of things specifically are you providing to people? Well, the simplest example would be uh, like building sets of icons from, from source files. Okay. Uh, and then uh, depending on uh, specific needs of, of the product or the organization, it can be some other automations. And of course, uh, regular autom automations of uh, uh, development and release processes so that everything happens smoothly. For example, if some contribution comes into the system so that it could be uh, automatically tested, uh, including vi visually tested, and then uh, integrated and released. So something like that. Gotcha. Now, this show is more about you and less about design systems. And so I'm going to ask a few other questions just about your background and we'll kind of uh, build things up from there and see how you got here. Um, usually I start out asking people how they got into programming. So how did you get into the, the web space and, and programming? Uh, well, if speaking about programming, then we were basically taught in school. Mm -hmm. It was uh, basics, basic of Pascal. And it was quite funny because I didn't have 
have a computer of my own and I did exercises in uh, like on paper. <laughs> yeah, and my compilation process, yeah, my compilation process was just very carefully check if I have made any mistake. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but there were uh, computers in, at school. And so uh, I could like type my code for checking, <laughs> right. like after doing my, my homework and so on. Uh, yeah, and, uh, but there was no internet access there. And for, for the internet, uh, I had to go to a public library mm-hmm. uh, and book time at the computer. And uh, so I learned what web is. And uh, at the same time, I was interested if I could make also some web pages. And by that time, I didn't think about any JavaScript, just HTML was enough. And I made a first a simple homepage for myself. And then for, uh, um, I don't recollect 100%, but probably for a music group, I was fan of, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so on and so on. And then I, I wanted to make a kind of uh, uh, digest, uh, like with uh, links to articles, which like I was interested in. And for that, I uh, needed some backend. Uh, and I needed some knowledge of how to build backend. And uh, I started to study PHP uh, first on like amateur level, but eventually uh, I studied more and more. And then I realized that I probably can uh, do it for a living. And my first uh, work was a PHP developer. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's funny. Uh, I, I was talking to a friend of mine last night and he's been raving about how great PHP and Laravel are. And I don't know if that's where you, you're at. When you got into PHP, were you doing more just generic PHP or were you using a framework or? Well, it, just, well, it was generic PHP then. Um, actually, it's very hard to recollect, recollect because it was long ago. Mm-hmm. But I uh, recollect something like Zen framework. Uh, yep. Maybe I was using something, something like that. But it, it wasn't not very long story because uh, I was PHP developer maybe for a year or two. And I was uh, always tending to do some front-end, uh, front-end work, like CSS and JavaScript, because it was really uh, interesting. And it was really, there was feeling that uh, I deliver things faster or that the users get things that I'm doing faster, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was more uh, involvement with front end. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah, so your front end story then, you know, while you're learning back end technologies, what what was going on on the front end? It was plain JavaScript first, uh, maybe a bit of jQuery, uh, but not so much because actually uh, it was maybe twelve years ago. And so uh, it was before uh, React, Angular era. 
And uh, I soon uh, joined uh, Yandex, uh, mm -hmm. which had uh, its own framework, um, but never open sourced. So it was called uh, Y5. Yeah. And I, my first interfaces were, were written using that framework, <laughs> but I guess it uh, doesn't say much to other people. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and soon there, um, I joined the team, which was uh, behind uh, inventing and popularizing BAM. And uh, for most people now, it sounds like CSS thing, but back then it was uh, CSS and also XSLT framework, XSLT framework, and lately JavaScript framework and uh, JavaScript templating language. And what's it called again? It was, in, uh, it was part of the BAM ecosystem. And uh, the framework uh, BEM. Oh, BEM. OK. Yeah. yeah, the framework, uh, like if you're asking about uh, templating framework, it was called X. GST. It was XSLT uh, inspired, like uh, attempt to make declarative uh, templates in JavaScript syntax. Cool. And so you worked on that framework for a while at Yandex. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was not behind. Uh, uh, creating the framework, but I was uh, one of its most active users because back okay. then we were um, making what we would now call a design system or a library components, and it needed some templating solution. So the part of the team was behind uh, making the, this templating language, and uh, I was a user of that. I gotcha. And so did BEM lead you to Yandex or did Yandex lead you to BEM? BEM was uh, invented inside Yandex. Right. So you picked it up after you were hired at Yandex then? Yeah. Very cool. And um, I'm a little curious too. I mean, what is it about this particular design system that you like that maybe some of the other design systems out there don't provide? Uh, at Yandex? Yeah. Well, it was, uh, uh, by the time it was unique because um, it was not so popular topic yet. Uh, and uh, many problems which uh, I faced as developer, um, they were really new. And by that time you couldn't Google for answer. And, uh, and there were very few people you could I could even discuss with because um, many other people they just didn't do anything like that. Yeah, and uh, that design system was uh, very uh, technically focused, maybe not so much about design, but more about front end. Uh, and basically, it was a very big library of components. Uh, in, implemented with uh, CSS and JavaScript and providing this uh, custom templating solution. Cool. 
So what are you working on these days then? Are you working on BEM or some other framework or are you, are you mostly still a user and you just take advantage of that to build your expertise? No, at, at the moment I'm not working with it uh, anymore. I used to still use it uh, for my uh, personal projects and partly at work when I left, left Yandex uh, seven, seven years ago or six years ago, cannot mm-hmm. really remember now. But uh, in the uh, uh, ecosystem, like it, it, it happened that like React appeared and I liked it a lot, even though, um, well, some, something was uh, better, something was worse, but overall I liked React very much and especially that it created such a wonderful community uh, and um, it was a really game changer, I believe, for the front-end development. And, uh, and I started to use as much React as possible in the things I was doing, and it still continues. So at the moment, uh, uh, one of the things I'm doing at work is a library of uh, React components. And uh, yeah. Nice. So, so what is it about front-end development? Because it sounds like you've sort of focused your time and attention there, you know. Why why that instead of backends or mobile or some of the other areas where you could, um, you know, learn stuff or, or do stuff or, or be involved? Yeah, um, as I said, uh, it is a feeling that uh, something you do is, uh, is meeting uh, its users very fast, even though uh, backend code also can be released like the next second. <laughs> and uh, start working but still because it happens uh, because front-end thing happens already in browser and i myself ca- can click there <laughs> there and i can use uh, interface and i can be visually see what it is it, it, it creates a much better connection with what, what i'm doing and this, i think this is why uh, i was switching from backend to frontend at first, yeah. And currently it is still uh, interesting because it is such evolving thing. Yeah, I I believe that there are other things like maybe mobile development, but it is so much, there is so much things happening in frontend and they are so interesting that I basically don't have any time <laughs> to look somewhere else. Right. Cool. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. 
Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. One thing that I, I like to kind of get to know about people is, do you feel like there's some overarching theme or idea that keeps coming up in your career? And if so, how does that show up? Well, uh, uh, I think that uh, it has always uh, been showing that uh, many things they are doing, uh, they are about people, not about technologies. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, even though uh, like I'm quite a technically oriented person, but still I noticed uh, many times that uh, we probably should consider technologies as, a, uh, as helpers, not as uh, like it shouldn't be our goal, but it, mm -hmm. should, it should be something we are using for achieving another goal. And another goal is usually related to people. Either it is uh, creating a product or even improving your development process. It's still about people. That and is so I, true. Yeah, and I'm, I think uh, I'm facing it again and again um, during like, many things that happened in my career. <laughs> Do you have an example of one time when this has happened? It's very hard to give an example because sometimes uh, uh, some information I would keep as, uh, as a secret, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially if it's about uh, the process of some company. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, but um, I still can elaborate <laughs> here. Uh, uh, recently, I was. Uh, studying for my second degree in university. Uh -huh. This degree is in physics and it also involved uh, some uh, pro pro programming uh, but my second degree is in uh, design meaning service design and business design so basically it's a com completely di different thing and um, it was uh, in the beginning it was a uh, quite challenging to switch my brain from that straightforward technical manner of uh, approaching problems uh, to more de design thinking way of, like of uh, searching for a solution. So it was very interesting how they organized at the university. They gave us uh, real cases uh, with uh, real companies and uh, uh, students in teams uh, could uh, solve the d design problems there and it was very interesting to see how uh, people approach the, the problems the people of different backgrounds and different origins and different ages and um, working as a team player in such an in environment I started to um, uh, to see that uh, my programming capabilities can be used to solve, or not, not necessarily, uh, for example, um, if uh, during interview process uh, we got some data, I could use my programming 
capabilities to visualize the, the, the data with, let's say, D3 and so on. Yeah. Makes sense. So you're working on a second degree. Is that in computer-related things or something else? Uh, no, it is uh, uh, service design, business design, and uh, design thinking. So it's, it's a bit vague, uh, but basically this direction. Very cool. So yeah, it, I think that'd be an interesting field to go into. I think a lot of times we focus on the technical aspects instead of the business aspects, or as you pointed out earlier, the people aspects. Yeah, it was uh, eye-opening for, for, for me, yeah, because uh, I selected what I'm going to study, maybe partly blindly, <laughs> mm -hmm. because I asked a suggestion for a friend what, uh, uh, from a friend what he thinks would uh, suit me, and he suggested specific program in uh, Alta University uh, here in Finland. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was not uh, quite sure what they are teaching. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, it was a bit of surprise for me and uh, very different from my previous background. And I would say that it, uh, such, this uh, switching the domains really helps uh, approaching the problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it changes the way you, you see the, the problem. And so uh, the process of uh, searching for a solution is different. Yeah, makes sense. Well, if, if people want to connect with you and talk design systems or people, processes, business, uh, design stuff, um, where are you online that they can get a hold of you? Well, mostly in Twitter. So uh, it is varia uh, in yeah. Very cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, also in Facebook, but this is more like personal stuff, but still everyone is welcome. <laughs> right. Sounds good. Well, the last segment of the show is picks. So I'll do some picks. Uh, one, one pick that I have... Um, I have a water bottle that I just have sitting on my desk that I, you know, I just fill up a few times a day and uh, get some water out of. And I find that that's a really helpful and convenient way to, uh, you know, stay healthy while I'm working and sitting. So I'm going to pick that. It's a Contigo brand. It's available at Walmart if you're in the United States. Um, and they're like $8. So it's, it's really cheap, but it's, it's got, you know, quality plastic and, you know, works really, really well. And I, I really like it. Um, and then the other pick I have, so I've started running again, I'm probably going to run another marathon this year. And uh, the, the program that I picked up, so I had a trainer, uh, a coach last time, and it was a virtual coach, right? So she would just give me workouts and I'd go run. Um, and I'm like, eh, I could probably find a, uh, you know, an app that'll do that. And it turns out that I kind of can, it's not as detailed as she got um, and probably not as necessarily as um, tailored to my situation as it would be. But I've, I've been using the Run With Hal app, and I think it's like $5 a month. Paying her, I was paying her like $100 a month. Um, but it's like $5 a month, and it basically tells you what distances and what pacing you have to have in order to complete the marathon at your goal time. 
when you run your marathon. So you put in when your next marathon is and, or half marathon or 5k or whatever has all of that in there. Right. And then it basically sets up your um, training program for you. And after you've run for a week or two, then it starts to tailor the um, based on, because you put in your workouts every time based on that, it starts to tailor the workouts to you. Anyway, uh, th- those are my picks. I'm, I'm really digging those and I'm, I, I really feel good just getting out for a run, um, you know, three to four times a week. So yeah, those are my picks. Uh, do you have some things you want to, did you come up with some picks while we were waiting or while I was talking? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just uh, recollected that I, uh, recently, uh, started, uh, to study Spanish, but I'm kind of making an experiment. Uh, I, um, trying to avoid any reading and uh, the studies I'm doing is only by hearing. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, and, uh, and whenever I see a text written in Spanish, I, I close it because I don't want to have any reading. Because uh, it, it usually, at least for me, uh, like as an adult, I um, study languages from text. And it ends up with me uh, kind of thinking about these texts and letters when I'm speaking in a foreign language. And I want to see uh, how it would change if I never read before I can build a phrase in this language. And so I'm making this uh, experiment with Spanish. Uh, I usually uh, have uh, a 30-minute commute to work. Um, uh, by car and this is a perfect time you can start study um, uh, like you can study language in listening manner Mm -hmm. and um, this experiment uh, is not lasting very long yet but I already noticed that uh, when I'm build, when I'm in my head, when I'm building Spanish phrase, it is very different from other languages. And uh, if anyone has too much free time, <laughs> I encourage you to like make experiments like that. Not necessarily specifically like the, this one, but experiments like that, and then observe uh, how your mental process changes. It is very interesting. Yeah, it makes sense. I've, so I uh, lived in Italy for two years and learned Italian and uh, I bought the Pimsleur uh, lessons on Audible to learn Japanese. And so um, I'm, I'm planning on starting those pretty soon here. And when I do that, I'm probably not going to do a whole lot of reading either, mostly because you either have to learn the kanji, which are the Japanese letters, or... You know, I, I think they do have um, the, I don't know what the name of our alphabet is, but, um, you know, they, they do have it spelled out in sort of the um, English or Roman alphabet or whatever it is. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting because I don't actually have the option really of learning to read it. So, yeah, Pimsleur yeah. is exactly what I'm using for Spanish. I just wasn't sure if I should name it or not. But since you have named it already, I can do the same. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And their program is essentially what, like 10, 15 minutes a day and you listen and then speak or listen and repeat. So 
Yeah. I like it a lot. Nice. All right. Well, it was fun to talk and get to know you a little bit. Um, hopefully some folks reach out if they have questions about design systems and uh, some of the stuff that you're working on now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much. All right, folks. We're going to, like I said, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.